It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to July, Dolphins fans. Miami Dolphins rookies report to training camp in just three weeks. The rest of the team in four. That is one of just several things we're going to talk about here on the show today. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And we're going to rock and roll today through the spread offense. That was a question that I got yesterday uh, on Power to the Pod, which is this podcast version of a mailbag with fan questions and hot takes and and topics that are pertinent to you that we discuss on the show. Question was asked something along the lines of the way I project the spread offense uh, is makes it seem like a no-brainer. And what are some of the downsides and risks and barriers to a successful offense for teams that implement the spread offense? And that's a great question, and we're going to tackle that today. But first, a report coming out this morning for Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald that had several Interesting notes as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins training camp, report dates, uh, the situation from a contract perspective with both Devon Godchow and Raquan McMillan. So that is where we are going to start today before we pivot into and talk about Shane Gailey's offense, the Dolphins roster construction, how it all fits, and what some of the risks are. Barry Jackson at the Miami Herald reporting this morning that the Dolphins' 21 rookies are permitted to report to the team facility on July 21st, seven days ahead of the start of training camp for the team on July 28th. The interesting nugget, according to Jackson, who cites Carolina head coach Matt Rule, is that Miami's four quarterbacks and every other quarterback under contract can report to their respective team facilities on July 23rd. So Tua Tungavailoa will get a few days head start at the Dolphins facility from the rest of the Dolphins quarterback, but their entire Dolphins quarterback room will be getting a head start and getting acclimated to the team facilities for their new COVID-19 protocols versus the rest of the team. Additional information coming from Jackson's report today includes the Dolphins' status and stance on two of their key young defenders who are facing expiring contracts at the end of the season. Both defensive tackle Devon Godchow and linebacker Raekwon McMillan were members of the Miami Dolphins' 2017 rookie class. McMillan and Godchow are the two standout players remaining after the first-round selection of Charles Harris fell apart at the seams and Harris was traded from Miami to Atlanta for a seventh-round selection. And both players, when on the field, have played well and have been empowered 
by the new coaching style of Brian Flores to be put in the best position to be successful. Raekwon McMillan, for example, played less snaps in 2019 than he did in 2018 under the watch of head coach Adam Gase, but played exponentially better because he was exposed less frequently in coverage. Devon Godshall posted a career high in tackles last season and was, generally speaking, a very prominent presence along the defensive line. But despite the promising play from both in year one under the watch of Brian Flores, the team, according to Barry Jackson, is reportedly nowhere near moving forward with an extension for either player. Some of that is likely due to the coronavirus pandemic and the potential financial implications that the NFL and their teams will be facing from a revenue share perspective in the coming seasons to follow. If the NFL faces substantial ticket sales losses and has to cut down on the salary cap, teams will want to know what that cap situation looks like before they hand out a 2-3-4 year extension worth millions of dollars. And both Godshall and McMillan at this juncture, based on their play last year and the arrow pointing up as young talents, would command that kind of commitment. Also, interestingly enough, both Godshall and McMillan throughout the course of the past year have been applauded by those familiar with the players as being plus leaders within the organization. So as the Dolphins look to establish a build-by-the-draft team culture, it would also behoove them to identify who their hits are and successes are and reward them for buying into the system to further reinforce the team culture the team is looking to impress on one of the youngest rosters in the NFL. The message being, if you buy in and you trust us and we coach you and you follow suit, your performance will pay off and your performance will lead to a big second contract for you, so you take care of us and we take care of you. That messaging, the Dolphins have plenty of time to iron out how those contracts are going to look between Godshout and McMillan. The Dolphins in the past have at least expressed some level of interest in beginning negotiations on extensions, but according to Jackson of the Miami Herald, there are no ongoing discussions on that front right now, but the good news is it doesn't seem to be bothering either one of McMillan or Godshell. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for all of the auto and body parts that you might need from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. So whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your front door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's talk about the spread offense. You know, I have spoken at length throughout the course of the past few months on this podcast talking about horizontal spread and spacing the field and stretching the defense and putting defenders in conflict. And when you sprinkle in RPO concepts, you have the opportunity to make defenders wrong on any given play, no matter what reads you give them, what keys they are reading, what direction you go. If you have somebody who can make those split decisions, you can make those defenders wrong. But how can the spread offense go wrong in implementation when theoretically, from an X's and O's perspective, it makes sense. Um, let's start with the offensive line. Because I think that's an important place to start because we saw last year what the Dolphins' offense looked like when it was so painfully one-dimensional that they couldn't, they couldn't bear to run the ball six inches if they needed to. They were too soft up front in the middle. So... From an offensive line perspective, that's why you saw the Dolphins go out and get a bunch of war daddies up front that are capable of kicking somebody's ass on every single play and moving them from point A to point B against their will. But, typically, spread offenses, you get this a lot in college, you listen to a lot of college quarterbacks, and they talk about box count, right? They, they get up behind center, and they survey the defense, and the first thing they do is they take an inventory of the members of the defense that are in the box versus outside of the box. Is there a numbers advantage in the box? If you have an equal number of blockers to the number of defenders inside the tackle box, they're going to run the football. Like every time they're going to run the football. So from a defensive perspective, if you can keep a light box and give the offense the perception that they have a numbers advantage, but you are confident enough in your personnel that you can physically discard of blocks at the line of scrimmage. You then have, this is where two gapping comes into play and why it's so important for teams that run odd fronts, you know, a nose tackle and two down linemen and then stand up outside linebackers that rush off the edge. Your base 3-4 defense, right? Two-gapping is a technique that is involved with defensive tackles who either play head up or slightly shaded on offensive linemen. And they're going to punch their hands. They're not trying to get backfield penetration. They're going to hold the line of scrimmage. They're going to read the block. They're going to find the football. And it's called two-gapping because those defensive linemen are responsible for gaps on either side of the offensive linemen that they are engaging in. So if you're a true nose tackle and you're in two-gap system, your objective is to account for both A-gaps in your run fit. And if you have studs up front that are capable of doing that, you can go with a lighter box, dictate and control the line of scrimmage, 
team, the opposing offense that is in the Chan Gailey style horizontal spread is going to say, okay, it's five on five in the box, and we got a six guy who's the ball carrier. We're going to give the ball. But if you can't dictate the line of scrimmage, it doesn't matter what your numbers advantage is. You're not going to generate the movements you need, and you're going to play directly into that team's hand if they feel like we've got the horses up front to control the line of scrimmage with a light box. And if you can't run the ball against a light box, you're screwed because now you've got more defenders out in space to cut down on the spacing and the windows in the, the passing game. And that's the whole appeal of this offense, right, is they want to stretch you out and they want to make as big of windows and creases and voids and have defenders that are going to split the difference between two guys as best as they can. But if they can flood those peripheral areas because they know they are going to dominate the line of scrimmage, they'll go light boxes, they'll play directly into your hand as an offense, and they're going to dare you to beat them mano a mano up front. So that's how this Dolphins offense can get derailed on any given week is if they're going against potent defensive linemen, and because this team, they've got big, powerful bodies, but do they have a bunch of technicians? Do they have a bunch of guys who are super polished and can counter when a guy tries to extend their arms and and press them out and hold their ground at the line of scrimmage? Can you break those hands and gain control of the block? Can you turn a guy out using your hands and and your footwork to kind of work your hips up into the hole and get some leverage and create a running lane? That's a question for the Dolphins because both these offensive tackles, Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson, refuse to believe Julian Davenport's going to command a starting role in the offensive line. Are rookies. And both were generally perceived as having some development that's required from a technical perspective. Eric Flowers used to play offensive tackle. He's much better inside at offensive guard. But even Eric Flowers, you can pull up Eric Flowers on social media and you'll find a clip of him pulling. And uh, he just kind of dives into a block and completely whiffs. You can't afford those kinds of reps. You've got to be really consistent with landing your blocks. And then once you land a block, can you consistently move that defender against as well? And that's how schematically a team can stuff up the running game. And then if offensively the other team gets some stuff going and they get you in a hole and now you got to start to pass, then you get into, okay, you know, you're out of your game plan. You've lost your balance as a team. The opposing team is going to tee off on your, your young offensive tackles. That's a worst case scenario. So as we're looking at poking holes in Miami's offense and their blueprint, that's something to be aware of. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Another prominent way that a spread, horizontal spread, like the one we're going to see from Chan Gailey, 
and the Dolphins this year, uh, can lose some of its appeal is if you have to throw and if you have to push the ball, can you do it? Can you hold the ball within the pocket because so much of the horizontal spread is based on quick game. It's the same critique that Tua got at Alabama. Well, everything he did was inside of 10 yards and he got a bunch of guys that made a bunch of run after catch and his stats are misleading because they don't really tell the story of, of depth of target and so on and so forth. And that narrative's like not wrong. Like that's how Alabama's offense worked in 2019. But if you go back and you watch the 2018 Alabama offense, they pushed the ball like crazy down the field. So I feel at least somewhat comfortable with Tua and his competency in a number of different philosophical styles of offensive play. The offensive line, that's a different story. The receivers, these are big physical dudes. And that gets into a a couple of at least questions that need to be acknowledged for the Dolphins' skill players. Is the Dolphins' skill players dynamic enough to create the same explosive plays in run-after-catch situations as what you would ideally like to see? And, And I want to include Albert Wilson in this, but I don't know if Albert Wilson, from an explosive perspective, is anywhere back to near what he was prior to his hip injury. I want to include Jakeem Grant in this, but durability is a big question for Jakeem Grant. That's why I look at a guy like Gary Jennings, and I think Gary Jennings has a really strong chance to make this roster the closer we get to training camp. Former fourth-round pick in last year's NFL draft, dude ran sub 4'4", 6'1", 200 pounds, former slot receiver in a spread offense at college in West Virginia. That kind of player with that kind of speed who's experienced in the slot and played the slot at the college level is something that Dolphins don't have because Preston Williams, he's six foot five. Devontae Parker's a pretty athletic freak. He can probably get by and be just fine, but I'd be willing to bet a bunch of Devontae's explosive plays are going to come in play action passing in, in one score ball games or tighter or 50-50 balls or back shoulder throws not taking the slant and breaking a tackle and romping 30 yards down the field for a score. It's not really his game. He's a high-point receiver. He's a power-forward-style wide receiver. Mike Gusecki, he's a seam buster. The good news is if you go back and you watch the touchdown he scored against the Patriots against Patrick Chung, he beat Patrick Chung pretty clean inside the five-yard line on a quick route, and that ball was out in under two and a half seconds. So from a spacing perspective, I think Gusecki, if you get him on safeties or if you get him in opportunities where he's tight to the alignment, maybe off the line of scrimmage, he can still get out into his routes and stay on schedule. But even he is not a player who's going to thrive and shine in yards after catch contests. He is a catch point receiver. So that is a question for the Dolphins. And if the offensive line is not standout and is, is a liability to some degree, the Dolphins' quick game is going to turn into putting the offense inside of a 10- to 15-yard box. And if the teams don't have to account for you vertically, 
and they roll both those safeties down and everybody's sitting at 15 and they're not given depth because they know they can't block long enough to push the ball down the field. So I'm going to sit at 15 yards and I'm going to wait for something to break up the seam or I'm going to scrape for something to the sideline. If they don't respect you vertically and you run a horizontal spread offense and you run everything quick game to get the ball out to compensate for your offensive line, you need guys that are going to break and create explosive plays or else they're going to sit on all your routes. And now suddenly you have a kind of a pop gun style offense. Doesn't pack a lot of punch. So now you got to turn it into, I'm going to nickel and dime you down the field and have 13 play drives for scores that go 75 yards every single time. They're going to have to find the explosive plays. So, quick recap thus far. Risks involved for the Dolphins in 2020 with a Chan Gailey-style offense. If your guys on the offensive line can't win the point of attack, teams are going to go light boxes, they're going to dare you to run, and they're going to beat you up up front. You need receivers who are going to create explosive plays and create plays after the catch. Because if you don't, then you're going to have to prove your offensive line can block for longer amounts of time to push the ball down the field. The good news is the RPO is the bridge between these two issues. Because if a team goes six in the box, and a team, the the Dolphins are in 11 personnel, so one tight end, one running back, and they go three by one, three to the field, so that the ball is on the near hash, and you got your three three receivers to the open side of the field where there's all that extra space to work, and you've got an ISO'd receiver on the backside, and you can go pistol, or you can go shotgun, or you can go under center with the back with the quarterback in the backfield. Having the opportunity based on site adjustments and based on leverage of routes, you know, you'll hear, uh, I watched a coach's clinic talking about Alabama or Clemson passing game as an example. And they've taught their quarterbacks, if you go three by one and your backside player on an RPO concept is running a hitch and it's a five-yard hitch and you're playing it against 10 yards off coverage, soft coverage to the backside of the play, they cross out everything else on the play, they're going to take the hitch every time. They say, we will take five free yards every single time you give it to us. So that's why the RPO component of this offense is going to be very important because the RPO component gives you the outs needed on a play-by-play basis. It will not cover for personnel mismatches, but it's going to give the quarterback the answer to say, okay, I've got 10 yards of free access here to the backside, ISO'd receiver. He's going to run one yard stop. I'm going to throw him the ball. He's going to run upfield. He's going to potentially make the first guy miss. Or he's going to fall forward and get tackled for six yards, and now it's going to be second and four. And now we'll get into our run game, our dart, our RPO with the slant tucked in behind the linebacker to the open side of the field. That's what the Dolphins are going to have to find the right level of balance on. Finding free access and taking free access, taking where, taking what the defense gives you, right? You hear that phrase so often in football, and it's very common and very common sense thought to have. 
but how does it actually work and how do you build in enough opportunities for quarterbacks to identify it when they're behind center? Hope you guys enjoyed a conversation that isn't just positive about the Dolphins. It acknowledges some weaknesses that could exist for the team, but I did want to end it on a positive note to say you can scheme your way and work your way around those outs. You just have to understand what all your options are as the quarterback at the beginning of the play and find your free access. And what's great about Tua is he was one of the best quarterbacks in doing exactly that in multiple styles of offense during his time in Alabama. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Hope you guys enjoyed. Come on back tomorrow. We had some other great questions from Power to the Pod that we're going to get a chance to dive into throughout the rest of the week. So keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, and I hope to see you guys again tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.